0: Welcome back to the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Orange 247, and each week I sit down with a friend or colleague from the industry to discuss topics such as football, recruiting, and anything else happening in the world. This week's guest is Greg Biggins of 247 Sports. Biggins serves as a West Coast Scout and National Rankings Council member for 247. He talks with us about how he got into the business, Texas push for a couple of prospects out West, and much more. So please enjoy this conversation with Twenty Four Seven Sports, Greg Biggins. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting Podcast, Open Mic. It is one of the best in the business. Uh, listeners of Open Mic will remember that our first guest was Brandon Huffman. If you see Brandon Huffman, this guy's usually not far behind. Um, one of the best, uh, one half of the best recruiting tag team on the West Coast in the business. It is the great Greg Biggins. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining me today.
1: Mike, anytime. As I said, man, you ever need anything. I know I'm not Brandon Huffman, but I'm trying my best to kind of be in that, you know, be in that same vicinity. So that's the goal.
0: (laughs) Well, you guys, I'm amazed. We just did, um, I, we didn't just do it. I guess it feels like we did because it was the last event I did. I'm not sure what the last event you did was, but the last event I did was Pylon Vegas with you guys. And, um, you know, it feels like you guys run the West Coast, basically. When you're out there walking around with you two, it's, um, it's like walking around with a celebrity. So uh, <laughs> we definitely had to get you on with Texas pushing into California. And that's where I want to start right off the bat. Um, you know, Texas is, is, is certainly in the mix for a couple of California prospects, uh, t- mostly DBs out there. Um, two in particular, uh, Jameer Johnson and Jalen Smith. What can you tell us about not only those guys as players, but what you've heard about them with Texas?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, of the two, I would give Texas a, probably a little better shot with Jameer. I, I do think Jalen is probably leaning pretty pretty decently to USC right now. He's got a lot of ties that are kind of pushing in that direction. And um, obviously, if he can take trips and, you know, the last news, I think we heard, I think we're recording this on a, what, today's Wednesday, um, rule came down what an hour ago about no on-campus visiting through, which is like July 31st or something like that. So right. I know Dylan wants to take his trips really bad in Texas. is one school he really wants to get to um, Clemson, Alabama. All those schools are kind of intriguing to him, uh, but I, I don't know if he'll be able to, if he's planning on making a late summer decision. Jameer on the other hand, uh, he also wants to visit Texas pretty badly. I don't see him being, in any hurry not saying Jalen is but I think Jameer's the guy who's probably a little more willing to wait it out and and take his trips and go into the fall season so Texas is involved uh, Colorado uh, their DB coach actually is from his same high school played at Pasadena Muir and um, is kind of almost like a a a mentor to all the kids at Muir Uh, Arizona State is involved there Oregon is involved there so I think those are all the main schools but you know Jameer and his family, his mother is highly involved and, and they did a Zoom call, kind of did an article about it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they were really blown away by Texas and all it has to offer, you know, on the field, off the field. And, and I know they're really, really excited about the opportunity um, of what a Texas, not just a football education, but, you know, an academic ed- education and degree and all that could do for you after life, uh, after football is over. So uh, Texas, I, I think, has a real shot with Jameer if they can get him on campus.
0: How do you see those guys as players? Because I, a West Coast source I spoke to in the coaching world told me he thinks Jalen Smith may be the best defensive back in California, uh, just from the fact that he can kind of do it all. Yeah,
1: I, I've heard. I actually heard that from a couple of people. We, shoot, we might even have the same source. Is we not <laughs> talked about that. So no, he really is versatile. He's he's. I, I, it's always kind of a people use it as an as a knock, but he's kind of a tweener in the sense that he kind of has a corner frame. He's probably about 5'9", 5'10", uh, but he plays more of a safety. You know, he's kind of uh, being recruited more as a nickel, but he is so versatile. His high school team uses him as a corner, as a nickel, as a safety, even as a linebacker, because he's such a good tackler. I and mean, he's probably about 5'10", 180, but, you know, really good ball skills. He'll play a ton of receiver at Alameda next year. And, you know, saw him at an Elite 11 catching passes for his quarterback, Miller Moss, and tell you what, he was one of the best receivers there. So... Like you said, man, versatile. Uh, any setting that you see him at, my big thing is when I go and watch a player, I don't want to really know who he is. I want to just be able to watch football and, and see if the guy shows up. And When you go watch a seven-on-seven seven or a camp or a football game and Jaden's involved, like it takes you about five plays and then he shows up. I mean, he's just a guy who the ball just always kind of finds. Great ball skills, highly instinctive, and I, I can see why you know a coach would say the best DB. I mean, he's really a natural football player.
0: Uh, 2022 guys, there's a couple of guys out there. Texas has offered already. Um, and I, I read your update on Larry Turner good. And then just selfishly, um, after talking to that kid earlier this spring when Texas offered and seeing him on film was kind of disappointed. He didn't mention Texas in that group of schools standing out to him, but uh, a source of Texas has told me that they feel like they're doing really good work with Demonte Jackson at, at, uh, at modern day. Um, you know, obviously modern day you, you're, you're, stacked against, uh, that basically being a USC feeder school, but where do you think the chances are that, that Texas could pull him away from there?
1: Yeah. You know what? And I don't know if I necessarily think that's, that's the case anymore. I think with the 2021 class, we're seeing, you know, their top prospect this year is, is Rajon Davis. He's already committed to LSU and, and Jalen Davies, the corner has an offer from uh, USC, but I, I think he's leaning toward leaving home right now. And, you know, probably his top two would be Arizona state and in uh, Oregon. So I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, you know, go to modern day. You're a lock to go to USC. I think Domani, he definitely sees himself as a national recruit. And he'll take his time and he'll play the process out. I and mean, that's just kind of how he's wired. You know, he's going to take all of his trips. And, you know, he kind of likes that big stage. I think he's going to kind of enjoy, you know, being uh, a headliner in that 2022 class. Real special athlete. I mean, if you look at the kid, you know, he's he's a chiseled 6'1" maybe even six one and a half and 185 pounds. And he has a college body right now. Uh, hadn't run track in a couple of years. Went out this year in the second meet. He went 10-7-8, which, I mean, in Texas, that's not that fast because in Texas, I mean, it's all about track, which I love. I'm a big track guy myself. But in California, you know, we don't get a lot of guys, football players, who, who run track. So, I mean, he would have been running probably in the low 10-5s by the end of the season, This not running track in a couple of years. So Damani's special for sure. And honestly, I don't, I don't think he's got a – you know, a locked-in leader right now. I think USC, he does have some, you know, relationships there with the staff. But same thing with ASU, Ohio State is a higher priority there. Texas, you already mentioned them. You know, he's kind of waiting for a Clemson offer, which is kind of like they're like the hot school right now in terms of, you know, players coveting that offer. Uh, And then, yeah, Larry Turner, good and awesome kid. Just talked to him a couple days ago when we invited him to the All-American Bowl. He quickly committed to that. But another guy, And honestly, I wouldn't read into too much. Texas being omitted from that list because, we were just kind of talking off the cuff and I was saying, Hey, who are the schools that you're talking to the most right now? And he would literally would, would say three schools and he'd say, Oh, I forgot this school. Two seconds. Ago, oh, I forgot that school. So I mean, if I would have asked about Texas, I guarantee you, he would have said, Oh man, I love Texas. So uh, don't, don't read into that. I, I do think Texas is, is pushing hard for him. And again, um, offered him through Derek Holmes, father of Darnay Holmes, who played at UCLA. And I, I know Darnay and Derek Holmes, that family, they'll be involved in, and. and you know, I I think Texas definitely has a chance. Again, he'll take a visit out there. He's going to take his time. He'll take all five official trips. He's already saying I'm going to commit at the All-American Bowl. So we're talking like January of 2022. So a long way to go for, for both these two kids.
0: Yeah, I loved watching that kid's film when he was offered. He was just a really fun, fun watch. And, you know, Greg, anytime I get an opportunity to make a trip out west, I'm, I'm going to love doing it. So I hate that, uh, you know, this Corona stuff canceled the all the camps and I was looking forward to getting back out there for that Cal Lutheran camp. And, and uh, you know, you guys made me an honorary West coast guy during the <laughs> Vegas trip. So I'm, I'm just trying to, to get back there as much as possible. Um, you know, you mentioned that, that Clemson is the, kind of the the hot school out there and, uh, you know, Corey Foreman, the, the nation's, you know, number one defensive end was, was out there, uh, or was committed to there. And then before decommitting, obviously that, that shows some of the influence, but, uh, you know what is the view? Do you think of, of Texas on the West Coast because they have had their their fair share of, of finding guys out in Arizona and California? And um, you know what is it? I, I don't. I know you probably don't do much digging on on Texas out there, but what do you hear when you do ask about it?
1: No, I mean I have tons of respect. Again, I, I was you know going way back to the to the Shrine Bowl back when you know California Texas game was playing. Um, we, we're involved and in, I was just doing sports involved in that game. I've, I've have a ton of respect for Texas football. And I think a lot of kids too, there's a, obviously a rivalry, you know, California, Florida, Texas, the big three. Right. And so I think there's always that, you know, that in-state pride, although, you know, I think right now with California players is probably less pride uh, for their state than the Texas and Florida kids are right, <laughs> I think right now. California football is a little bit, I don't want to say that on, on a downward s- swing, but uh, we're, we are seeing a ton of players leaving home. So no, I mean, when a player gets an offer from Texas, it definitely resonates. It means a lot more than – I don't want to name a bunch of schools and insult anybody, but that no, there's certain offers that you get. You know, an Alabama offer, a kid gets that, and it just jumps out for them, right? Like I mentioned, Clemson, Ohio State. Um, but Texas, it's it's a traditional power. Um, it, it's a football craze state. Everyone knows it. They have – great tradition especially if you're talking about a defensive back which all the guys we've been talking about so far have been ironically DBs right I don't know if that was planned or not but just seemed like <laughs> Jameer and Janet they just happen to be DBs obviously Texas is one of the schools that you can kind of throw into that DBU category right with LSU and Ohio State so Texas does, does a great job and kids out here you know they're all about developing and getting to the league and it's not so much like it used to be we're to be hey, if USC offers me, and even to a lesser extent, if UCLA offers me, I'm probably going to stay close to home right now. They don't care about that. They they will, are willing to leave and go home and play for whoever can get them to the league, and hopefully three years, that's the dream. And I think they see Texas as being a school with, with that kind of big stage and that kind of tradition, and, and they do a great job, again, with DBs and d- development. So, yeah, that's a the Longhorns, that's a huge offer out here.
0: How much do you think part of that is – you know, the 2005 Rose Bowl, obviously one of the greatest games of all time. Um, Texas being able to come out there. How much of it do you think is the Pac-12 being down? And, you know, reading this week that the Pac-12 is pursuing names like Texas and Oklahoma for the next uh, realignment shuffle, I'm wondering how much that would help Texas uh, recruiting out West if they were suddenly playing in the Pac-12.
1: Man, that, that would be crazy, right? I know it helped Utah and Colorado in a big way in terms of recruiting for those two schools and you know, tech, I don't think Texas needs any help. They don't really need to leave home to do a lot of recruiting. But for California kids, if if they know that, you know, they can go to Texas and still come home and play for of mom and dad at least once a year, depending on you know if they were aligned with USC or UCLA or shoot even Cal Stanford is a five hour drive, uh, Arizona Arizona State's a five hour drive. So uh, yeah, I, I think that'd be that'd be big. Um, but no, I, I think two thousand five Rose Bowl, honestly you and me are both old enough to, to know that was one of the greatest games of all time. A lot of these kids, you know, they were really young at, at that point in time. Right. So it was like, they watched it live. I, it's funny. I still get kids when they ask them about USC and they say, Oh man, I love growing up and watching Reggie Bush. I'm like, dude, you're like one year old watching, watching that. But no, I, I think Texas just, it's a big name. I, I, I don't, I don't think it matters that the Rose bowl and Vincent young and, um, I just think that the name Texas just—it's a brand. It is a name brand. It's a top five job, and I, I think people just kind of resonate when you hear that word Texas football, Longhorn. It, it's it's big time for sure.
0: Well, that's uh, we appreciate the update. Our listeners will love that update from out west, and I know I can always count on you, Greg. When I can't get in touch with the kid out there, and just say, "Hey, can you check in with this kid and, and tell me what's going on?" So uh, we appreciate that. Let's get into um, let's get into kind of some other stuff and, and talk about. Uh, you know, you just mentioned Vince Young. I know that uh, from your time back working with student sports, and and I think you uh, wrote it out. Uh, you you had a writing about this about the time they released that uh, they reshowed the the Rose Bowl. But uh, I would love to hear, for our listeners here to kind of for you to tell the Vince Young story from from your time when uh, you were at Elite Eleven.
1: Yeah, so I'll try not to be too long winded, just to kind of give the the Reader's Digest version. And if you need me to expand, I, I can. But you know, Elite 11 back in the day, it was a, uh, you know, it wasn't like what it is now. Um, you know, now it's it's kind of big, it's TV, it's glamorized. Back then it was kind of, we kind of wanted to keep media out, wanted to kind of keep it small and didn't really like anyone to go and write about it because kids were being put in, in situations that they weren't used to. And that was kind of how you learn, right? You want to put guys in uncomfortable situations. And there was no one that was more uncomfortable the first couple of days of the camp than, than Vincent was. Uh, I, do I keep calling him Vincent? I mean, he goes by Vincent. That's just kind of what I know him by, right? I'll, I'll just say call him Young. But, um no, I picked him up from the airport. And, and you could kind of tell, you know, he was just not super uncomfortable. I, he kind of came from, you know, uh, you know, Houston, Texas, which was a lot different than Southern California, right? We're out there on the beach and i I could just tell you know he was kind of just kind of had his guard up, and then even like I wrote in the article, you know nowadays everybody knows each other, right, everyone sees each other at all these different camps and different events, but back then there was basically little 11, eleven that was it, um so he didn't know anybody really, and he goes out there, and you know i don't I don't think it's being politically incorrect to say you know he was I think one of only two three black guys out there, and that was probably different from what he was used to, so just – he was a pure spread quarterback. Just grab it, first guy open, throw it. If not, take off and run for 60. That was his deal. And if play breaks down, he'll run around, make five guys and miss, and throw it 60 yards down the field. But Elite 11 was all about structure and doing like hours of chalkboard stuff and drawing up coverages and saying, okay, uh, Vince – you know, this is our, you know, cover two, safety's here, corner drops here, what's your best beater coverage for this particular route, and he's looking at them going, I have no idea what you're talking about, and not just him, but a lot of guys, right, it was like a foreign language, and those first two days, I'm not even kidding, he wanted to go, he wanted to leave and go back home, and I, I, I could just see where he was just trying to process everything, and it just was tough, and the night The second night, after the second workout, that night, all the guys watched each other's highlight tapes. And his highlight tape was insane. It was easily the best highlight tape. And, again, these kids back then, there wasn't huddle. There wasn't like it is now. They didn't know each other. They didn't see each other's film before that night. And so you're watching this guy who's, like, 6'5". And just kind of, even though he was thin, he still looked like a great god back then he's out there running around stiff arming guys running for 60 throwing off back foot side arming it slinging it kind of had that shot put release right not the most pure throwing motion but just making plays that no one had really ever seen before and end of the night guys are you know grabbing him and jumping on him and like just kind of like good-natured razzing on him about how great he was and like literally the next day you saw a huge confidence boost in him and how he played and you know they made some of the drills a little more more friendly for for quarterbacks like Vincent who were more dual threat, right? A little more rollouts, little you know some zone read mixed in there. But the biggest thing I learned, not just about you know about Vince, but just sports and athletes in general is you can't play whether it's basketball, soccer, football without confidence. You have to be confident and be comfortable. And man, you just saw his confidence just shoot up in those last two days. He was he was lights out. He was so good and. You know, we did counselor awards. We asked all the college counselors who they thought were the, you know, MVP, best release, best fit for this system, best leader, best chalk talk, blah, blah, blah. And I think Ben Olsen got MVP. But Vince, Vincent was the guy who they said most, most guy who they th- thought would be able to win a Heisman. He got the most vote, votes for that. Ironically, uh, he, uh, you know, almost won. And people will say, shoot, if they voted after the Rose Bowl, he would have won it. But it, it was just kind of cool to see just kind of his maturation and his confidence boost and just the radical change from when I picked him up from the airport until we dropped him off. It was two different people.
0: That's weird, too, because um, I guess I, it's probably revisionist history because there probably were some moments early in his career where he didn't play with great confidence. Um, but, you know, once the, the switch really flipped for him halfway through his sophomore year, leading into that Rose Bowl with Michigan, and then all the way through the next year – you, I mean, you couldn't, Greg, on a, on a day to day basis, could not imagine a more confident guy when he stepped out on the field. So it's funny. That's the great part of our jobs is we get to see these kids before they are who they are. Um, so you you did some work with uh, with student sports, which you know I, I think people, if they know or don't, is the company that put on Elite Eleven and the opening and things like that. Um, just kind of tell us, like, what was your path to this? How did you get into the business? What were your interests? All that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, so I was I was a guy who really loved all sports and played every sport. I guess I would describe myself as being that guy who, who's pretty good in, in, in everything, but not real good in anything, right? So, you know, I, I played, named a sport. I played it and, and coached, and uh, I got my degree, went to, you know, Cal State Fullerton. We called it Harvard of the West, kind of as a joke. Um, people used to people who went to Stanford, referred to themselves as Harvard of the West, and as a Cal State Fullerton alum, we were kind of like this little almost – glorified junior college, but we still, you know, as a joke, refer to ourselves as Harvard of the West baseball school, right? Um, Augie Garrido came from Fullerton to Texas, won a national title there. So I'll throw that out there, but I got my degree in kinesiology. It was, was working personal training and loved it and and still do that on the side even now, but I I gravitated toward, I don't know why, but just football recruiting. I heard a guy on, on doing a radio show, There was a local San Diego radio station. A guy by the name of John Quintero had a guy from student sports on talking football recruiting and talking about some of the big recruits guys, you know, Daryl Russell and guys like that. I'm trying to think of a few more household names. Um, I think, you know, right around the top, actually Ricky Williams uh, when when he was coming out. So that was early nineties, mid nineties. And uh, I just, I just loved that. So I wrote a guy, a letter uh, from Cal high sports, Cal high sports with student sports was the same thing. And just said, Hey, Love what you guys are doing. If you guys ever expand, I'm interested. This just seemed like it'd be kind of fun. And so I got invited to a combine by Reebok, which those became the Nike camps. But the first year, it was Reebok was the sponsor, and it was at UCLA. And so went there, and that was uh, guys like Carson Palmer. That was his class, and a really good quarterback class that year. And so when I first started, I was honestly an unpaid intern for, like, nine months. And, like, I was still doing personal training, coaching, able to, you know, support, was about to get married. And um, then all of a sudden, Cal High became student sports. It kind of went national. So Reebok combines became Nike camps. Back then, there wasn't really internet. There was nine hundred numbers. That's a kind of old school. I am. So if you want to know about Texas football, you'd call nine hundred, blah blah blah, this phone number. And uh, Bobby Burton was a guy that you know we were really really close to. And I could and again talk about just kind of our relationship and how rivals kind of sprung up from our relationship with Bobby and. Another guy, I don't want to name his name because it's not a great name. He's currently with the Maven, but that's another another story. But, uh, no, so Bobby, you know, became kind of like this national face for uh, for rivals, and, and we kind of helped, you know, put together, try to get a Midwest guy, which is Bill Kurlich, a Southeast guy, which is Jamie Newberg. Um, Jeremy Crabtree was in Texas. We were doing West Coast, and that's kind of how I got going. So right when I got in, I mean, looking back, it was definitely just – perfect timing uh, i would say you know it's a god thing where i got in at just the right time they went national student sports nike camps internet kind of took off right about that time when i jumped in there and that's kind of where i got my start from
0: um when you met uh i i this is a a purely selfish question for me <laughs> When you met, because you guys, you two, you and, and your partner in crime over there, Brandon Huffman, are two of my favorite people in the world, and I can't tell you how glowingly I spoke to my wife when I came back from Las Vegas about the time we had there. But um, when you met Brandon Huffman, you know, just uh, like I'm just I'm amazed constantly at the 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 wealth of knowledge you two have, and, and the memory and the recall that you have to go back to, like you know, as long as you guys have been doing it um you know what clicked with you two because you guys I mean I obviously we all want to get along with the people we work with but you guys are almost like you were you were made to to work with each other
1: <laughs> you know what we have a lot in common you know both families um you know four kids three girls and a boy all around the kind of similar age I have a couple older ones but our younger ones were all kind of similar um you all know probably know the story about his daughter Avery who passed away but you know she was the same age as in between two of my youngest daughters. And um, so just same sports teams, both big, you know, angels fans like diehard baseball. I'm still trying to get him to become a hockey fan and LA Kings guy, but you know, the Rams or um, my team diehard Laker fans. And so just, you know, same beliefs spiritually. Um, you know, he used to be, you know, youth pastor for a long time. You know, he's actually from some of the California area, Ventura, and so, even though he's living in Seattle now, he's, his ties are in Southern California. So, just very similar in a lot of ways. And just personality wise, just, uh, you know, he's a guy who, like I said, isn't just someone I, I work with. He's one of my closest friends. And um, even making it more, even more personal, I mean, I was, I'll never forget the night that he texted me about Avery and said, you know, she's, she's not going to make it. Man, I, I cried like a baby. I'm not much of a crier, but like that, that affected me in a huge way because of the fact that I had two daughters the same age so I had met his kids and loved his kids so yeah I mean he's a great guy um kind of the the backbone and does one of those using a sports analogy he's kind of a guy who does not just what you see but he does so much that you don't see in the stat sheet you know what I'm saying he does so much behind the scenes that doesn't show up but without him speaking not just out west but from a national standpoint man he's he's definitely a glue guy and uh great relationally cares about kids that's always been first and foremost and something that we um both kind of always had in common it's, it's always about the kids and we'll, we'll get scooped um often on, on stories because we'll have a kid tell us what they're going to do or maybe a parent and and we'll, we'll ask us to hold it we'll hold it someone else will you know we'll, we'll get it from another source and leak it without any quotes and whatnot and uh, but our first commitment has always been about you know kids and if we can promote someone and and that's just always kind of been our mindset. That was a student sports mindset as well. You know, doing the Nike camp was originally about trying to find undiscovered players and, and kind of pushing them to the forefront. So that was a bigger deal for us and covering the, like these big name, you know, Vince Young guys. It was finding the, the sleepers out there. And I know Brandon kind of has that, that same love and desire to help kids out and, and whatnot. So just the way he kind of manages his life and his, you know, just kind of his interests. Very similar in a lot of ways, which is probably why we, you know, get along so well. Now, I'm not going to say... I'm going to talk him under the bus, but those days when we're rooming together and he doesn't bring, you know, his little device. Brandon's a little bit of a snorer, so I'll, I'll, I will say that about him. But, you know, other than that, you know, we, we get along pretty well 99.9% of the time. Other than that one little area, we're, we're good to go.
0: Absolutely, and I I'm hoping everything is by next – you know, next, next uh, spring, they've got this whole thing figured out. We can travel freely and uh, hoping I can make that Vegas trip every year because that was uh that was a fun, fun time. Um, you, you talked about you this. I just want
1: to jump in, dude. It's happened. It's, it's huge. You kind of mentioned, you know, we adopted you, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been awesome having you. And, and obviously I, I already know Taylor really well and, and we go way back and she's great. Um, but it's been great having you, on the Texas beat with us. It's been awesome working together. And, you know, that hasn't always been the case you know, with other people. So I I love having you around and uh, you've been a huge help for, for both of us too. So man, it goes both ways for sure.
0: Yeah. It's um, well, you guys are more my vibe. Uh, my <laughs> wife will tell you I'm an island guy, like I'm I'm most comfortable on a beach in flip flops and shorts, and I'm pretty, you know, take it easy kind of guy. So uh, I've I gravitate more to the West Coast than than
1: yeah, anything. Next time, if you want to come out, that's uh, you know, that we can we can definitely do that if you're willing to if you want to learn.
0: I would love to learn. I just need need somebody patient enough to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, you talked about finding you know sleepers and that was the goal of student sports I I've asked this question to guys who have been in the game long enough who is maybe like your favorite sleeper you've ever found or your favorite I found this guy he had nothing and then all of a sudden he was he was huge
1: man that is a great great question um I'll tell you what um so we did a Nike camp at University of Miami. That was back when we can do them on college campuses. We did them on Nike schools and there was a receiver named Andre Johnson who wasn't invited. Um, we didn't want to take walk-ups cause it was already too crowded, but we kind of looked at the guy and we said, dude, this guy just looks like a dude. And he went out there and was probably the best receiver we'd ever seen. And I mean, he was just unbelievable. And like I said, he was a walk-up, no offers, no one really knew who he was. This is kind of going into his junior year and at that same camp, the following year, it was kind of a similar situation with Philip Buchanan and Willis McGahee. Like just Miami, I'll never understand how Miami doesn't win ten games a year just because there's so much ridiculous talent in that South Florida area. But you know, Andre Johnson is one that just jumps to mind. And you know, there's probably once I get up to get up the phone with you, I'm going to think of a million kids. I'm you know trying to just try to rack my brain as we're speaking, just more locally. Um, you know, right now there's not as many sleepers as there used to be because there's just so much so much exposure for kids. But uh, you know, I, I'll say Andre was, was a big one for me. Um, God, let me think. California wise, um, hmm. You know, Deshaun Jackson was a kid who, again, just because there wasn't a lot of exposure, you know, going into his junior year, you know, he was a small, skinny guy who, you know, probably weighed about a buck forty, and I'm not even exaggerating but he could run like you would not believe. And probably one of the most impressive events I've ever seen was, again, in student sports days, we did an event, we did an event called the Area Code Baseball Games. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, not. The huge baseball showcase, that's a national thing. But we did, in three days, we did, a, it was called the Nike 7-on, which was an eight-team high school imitational seven-on-seven tournament. We did tryouts for the Area Code Baseball Games. We did the fastest man in L.A. competition all that, that, that same day. And he took part in all three. He, Long Beach, his Long Beach Poly team, he led them to the championship. Then he went out and killed it on the baseball field, got invited to the area code games. And then he came, like, in second place in the fastest man competition after doing these other two events to a guy who I think won the state 100 meters. And he ran like a 4-3-2-40. Like it was the most remarkable thing I've, I've ever seen in one day. But, yeah, his recruitment didn't really explode until after his junior season. Again, back then, times were different. But kind of going into his junior year and all throughout his junior year, he was getting somewhat of a sleeper kid. And again, he just exploded and blew up and had offers from everybody. But yeah, Deshaun is was a fun one just because he was such a fun kid to follow and cover and get to know really well. And they just watched him doing all these different sports, baseball and track as well. Uh, you know, he was a he was a guy I was rooted for.
0: You got you are part of well, what was the rankings council? I think it's expanded. I don't really understand how it all happens anymore. I think all of our regional guys are basically in rather than having like the five or six piece rankings council that we used to have. But, you know, every time you guys drop a ranking, I think, man, that'd be really fun to be in that process. And then you guys drop it and I look at Twitter and I look at the message board posts and I go, God, I'm glad my name is not on this Um, in, in, in any way. I wanted to give you a, you know, an example or a, a platform here to just kind of talk about what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about the, the rankings game? And, um, you know, what do you, what do you wish folks understood more about it? Yeah,
1: man, I, I, would, I wish they understood the process of that, you know, we'll get on these three, four hour phone calls, right? And uh, one thing that never comes up, hey, this guy's going to this college, let's move him up. He's going to that college, let, let's move him down. He's playing, he's playing in this All-American game, let's move him up. Like, College and All-American game do not even come into the picture. I mean, we're spending three, four hours on the phone and just dissecting the kid. Like today, um, you know, we talked with wide receivers. And it it was – when you're talking – and, again, people need to understand this is an NFL draft model. So, yeah, you know, we're looking at all kinds of things, but when look at the NFL draft, you're looking at things that project. And it's not just about – you know well this guy had more catches and more touchdowns therefore he's better or this guy was better in this 7 on 7 tournament therefore you should be ranked higher it's not about that it's your whole entire body of work so you know we're big on on whether whatever position so for receivers right it's 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 looking at length and if you're you know in that probably 511 sub 511 range you better be really really fast cuz again the NFL draft model you know, you're not going to see guys that are sub six feet, you know, getting drafted high that run for six, four, seven. And then if you're six, three, six, four, you better have really good ball skills because you're not going to separate as well as that five, 10, five, 11 shifty guy. So if you're six, three, six, four, and you can't separate, and your ball skills are just okay, you're not going to get drafted very high. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long, tedious process. These calls are insane. You know, last month it was all defense. It was D tackles it was edge rushers, it was linebackers. And again, it's, it's looking at the NFL draft as a model. And, and some people don't understand that and why it should be about college. Well, the draft, people don't draft bad college football players. So ha, if you're not gonna use the draft, and I kind of resisted this at first because coming over from Scout, you know, we did rankings based on college success, but how do you define that success, right? By, by who makes you know, an all-American team or who makes an all-league team, all-conference, that, that's just riddled with politics. Um, even guys who win you know Thorpe Awards or Outland trophies, those guys aren't even always the best guy on their own team. So the NFL draft is, is just an easy way to you know look at it subjectively and say, okay, these guys pick these guys because they think they're really good football players. Now there's, of course, there's always exceptions to every rule, and there's guys that are just kind of built to be good college players who may not be drafted high and we get that. But if we're going to use a model, the best way that we found is just using the NFL draft and that we feel like that still covers off. Who's the best college football players? But it's 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 no politics. It doesn't care where his stats are, where it's, what school he played for, um, how many All American teams he played. It's who's they? Who's the best football player? And again, if it's offensive lineman, you know you are looking at things like okay, he's not just big. It's is he big and quick? Um, we love two sport, three sport athletes. We love track times to measure you know athleticism. We love guys that wrestle and play basketball because again, you want functional athleticism, not just guys that are just these high school road graders that are 350 pounds those guys don't project as well as the guy honestly first round pick saw a couple years ago all these linemen taken were you know former tight ends who kind of converted to tackles because of that fluidness because of athleticism because of their functionality in terms of just being able to bend and move and as long as they have that toughness that you want to see those guys are the ones that you kind of really want to earmark on so it, it there's so much like I said if you spend one call with us that was three hours long, you would be, your mind would be blown and said, okay, now, now I get it. And, you know, even right now people are saying, you know, how are they moving guys up and down? There's no football, there's no camps, there's no combines. Where do they? Dude, it's, we're digging into film. Like you would not believe. I mean, it's like watching film and it's different watching film, you know, guys in your area and then watching it with six, seven other guys and kind of, you know, get that cross section opinion from everyone else. And everyone else has a different opinion. We got into, you know, some mini arguments today about some receivers. Some guys love this guy. The guys don't like the guy at all. And it was back and forth and you're spending 10 minutes on, on one guy and you're going, dude, we got, you know, 150 more receivers to look at. Can we move on from this guy already? It's so that that's kind of how the calls go. And that's why, you know, on rankings day, like you said, man, it's a, it's a miserable day. I don't go on Twitter. Um, I don't even bother reading any comments that people leave for me. And I try to stay off message boards, except maybe just to go and answer a few questions, but it's uh it's a day that literally no one is happy. I made it made the comment the only person angered in seven on seven parent is that disgruntled fan on rankings day. It's a it's a lot of angry people for no real reason for me but I guess we love that passion, right? I mean that's why we're in business cuz that passion but yeah, rankings day is never a fun one.
0: And you can say this too because Barton is the guy that he's the face of it all right but yeah. and I think everything is pinned on well Barton didn't like this guy or Barton <laughs> hates our school or or whatever I mean I guess just talk a little bit about I, you did already but like how much of that is collaborative I mean I don't think there's I don't think Barton's sitting up there going I, I'm disregarding all of your feedback and just making this decision on my own
1: no he's definitely the face and it, it but it's definitely collaborative you know the, There's guys that he likes that we'll talk him out of. And there's guys that he likes that he'll push up. And you know what? There's nobody that I know, and I've been doing this 25-plus years, that I would trust more when it comes to rankings than him. I mean, he is extremely smart, and and he he gets it. You know, he really has a keen eye, not just for talent, but again, this is evaluating with an NFL draft as the long-term goal. So, you know, he understands what a player should look like not now, but four years from now. And, and Charles Power is huge as well. I mean, he's kind of like our rain man, right? He's the guy who <laughs> after the NFL draft, you know, he'll literally go back and he'll look up the whole entire draft and see what were these guys like in high school. He'll take the tight ends and say, okay, there was 20 tight ends drafted. The average height and weight for these guys in high school was this. Their average 40 time was this. Their short time was this. Um, 85% played basketball. And the ones that didn't, Uh, ran track and he'll you know left tackles all the guys drafted they all were this height with this arm length I mean it's it's literally we we look at those kind of measurables but getting back to Barton dude he gets absolutely destroyed man I did not envy him at all and he and the thing is he knows he's going to get killed and he knows that if he moves a guy who's going to this particular school if he moves that guy down He's going to get destroyed and called the hater. But, he, you know, he's, he's willing to, to, to suck it up, make the tough decision. And, again, we do it collaboratively. But he, he's, the, he's the face, right? He's the focal point, And he knows the backlash that's coming. And he still makes the tough call in because he, he believes in it. And he'll, he'll be on the table for, for, his, for what he thinks is, is correct. And, but there, there's no one, again, that I've ever done rankings with that I trust more. I mean, I think he does a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, it's um. You mentioned Charles. I I swear to God, I thought I had a sharp mind for football until I met Charles and realized we're not even in the same <laughs> ga- galaxy when it comes to some of the things he comes up with or, or just the observations he makes. Um. All right, f- before we get out of here, a couple of quarantine things. How how's the quarantine been going for you? I know you're going crazy with no, uh, no kings, no no yeah. angels, no Lakers. Um. You know, I, I, did did, uh, did the quarantine rob the Lakers from an NBA championship?
1: I mean, I, I hope it's not over yet, right? I mean, I hope we still can have a season. Like, I, I like what hockey's doing. Just scrap hey, the regular season. Just go right Hey, man,
0: the, the Stars way. got a top four seed yesterday, so I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> and
1: then I, as, a, as a Kings fan, we had the number two pick in the – well, I hate the lottery, first off, because we got screwed last year. But, uh, you know, we had the second best odds in the lottery, and we won our last game. I say we the Kings and now we're fourth, which means we'll probably pick seventh, but no, I, I still pick the basketball. We got it. We got a chance, but, um, I mean, Mike, I've joked with you, man. I, I live in California. So yeah, it sucks out here. I would love to be, you know, out there with you where you guys actually are able to, uh, go outside your house and have a life. Although I am in Heights and beach and, uh, so, you know, I don't know if you people saw, it, man, they tried to close the beaches and people were saying, nah, that's not going to happen. So there was, like, there was major riots and protesters down, hiking beach. I actually drove by it just to watch. I wasn't out there with signs, but I was out there just driving by because it was something, something to see, right? It's a, uh, you know, tell your grandkids about that. But I, I would love to be able to go to my local park and shoot hoops or go to the gym, but uh, it's still, still shut down. So you kind of going stir crazy. Um, i wish things were opening were open back up where they are for you guys but uh you know that that's that's california for us but i think we're i think we're getting closer so at least i'm a little bit hopeful
0: yeah i was going to ask you about that i forgot um so you you guys what do you think the outlook is for fall football in california
1: so it sounds like it's going to happen if you're referring to high school it sounds like it's going to happen i actually talked to several coaches and i talked to the local commissioner and they're all pretty confident now they're not sure exactly when it's going to start or, you know, if it's going to be starting, you know, typically out here week zero is that third week of August. That's when it starts and then runs all the way through. So they I heard they may wait and just start in September. Um, they may scrap all non-league games, go right to league play. Um, they may start early and finish late. They may start like in December and use the sports that are kind of more conducive to social distancing, maybe moving you know, baseball track to the fall and moving football to the end of the year. Obviously, those guys graduating early, that would hurt them. But, you know, I've heard all these different scenarios, but my my gut feel like it's going to happen. And I I bet it kind of – I bet it happens in September. That's kind of where my mindset's at right now. And obviously, a month from – a month ago, it wasn't looking very good. Um, So fast forward to today, I think it's huge progress. And so I think if you go from now and fast forward a month, if we progress the same – same rate I, I really don't see any reason why they're not playing you know high school football in september
0: oh that's great to hear and as i told you the other night on the phone if you want to make a move down here if they don't i got a spare room you could come uh, i'll introduce you to texas high school football and the, the press box food we we take great pride in here
1: now, i've actually went to one high school football game way way back in the day kyle williams played at highland park um I did a story Their family invited me out and this is right wrote an article for student sports magazine. And it was kind of like, Hey, you know, I went to a pep rally, then went to the game and, and saw them play. I forgot who they played, but, um, man, it was fun, man. It, it was everything that I anticipated with high school football, obviously it wasn't, you know, 50,000 fans. It wasn't Allen, Texas, but you know, Highland park, they, they had some dudes for sure. And obviously Kyle Williams was, you know, I'm going to USC and had a really good career there. Um, but, uh, no, I, w- I would love to, man. I'm a fan. I really am. I know there's supposed to be a rivalry, but I- I'm a fan of Texas high school football for sure and and just the stage and all that. It- it'd be fun to go back and-, and go watch a game for sure. I'd love to do that.
0: Right, anytime you need to, you you know you got a place here. Um, is-, is anything uh, – we ask this on every show. Anything you've been uh, – what did you do to pass the time during quarantine? Any good shows, any good books, anything like that you could recommend? Uh, not really – haven't started
1: any books i got four kids so kind of keeping up with them um you know ranging from 22 19 and then 13 and 11 so i got the full gamut so um they keep me busy uh you know watched you know watching some shows with the little ones i like arrow or some weird show with my 11 year old she's into like the arrow or legends or those kind of shows flash um My older one, we've been watching the last dance. And then after that, we're watching a little Lakers Celtics 30 for 30 show that, uh, you know, that was on. That's about it though, man. I mean, shoot, you know, the job has been crazy, right? There's, there's, there's no letdown at all with no traveling, but still there's been double the commitments. And so I feel like we're grinding, like doing our normal day-to-day stuff more so than ever before. So yeah, there hasn't been a letdown at all. And I'm so thankful for that, right? Like, out, again, out here in Southern California, they closed everything down and people were losing their jobs and people losing business. And that was part of the, the big, not to go on a segue, but that was the biggest reason why there was that big protest down by the Huntington Beach Pier was because, you know, they were shutting down businesses. People are, are not able to feed their families over what they didn't think was as serious as was once first believed. So for me, I was so thankful to have a, a job, um, keeping me busy and still able to support the family. So, but um yeah, I, I think this offseason has been as busy for me as any other, despite not being able to go out to you know, camps or seven-on-seven seven events.
0: I swear, man, I've done more work during this quarantine than I ever did before. Right? Like, I pumped up my numbers in the last three months have been astronomical. So, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, okay, last question before we get out of here. Uh, we asked this to all of our guests on Open Mic. Who are the best, uh, some of the best players you've ever seen? If you'd prefer to do it the Brandon Huffman way, he named his, his Mount Rushmore of his four <laughs> greatest players of all time. And you know Zach Ertz made the list.
1: He did not put Zach Ertz on his Mount Rushmore.
0: He did because it made me laugh because I laugh at his Zach Ertz bias. Is
1: there a – okay, I wasn't sure there was an inside, <laughs> joke, inside joke. Well,
0: or... you know, when we were in Vegas, it was – that guy reminds me of Zach Ertz. Hey, do you know who the greatest seven-on-seven player I've ever seen is? Zach Ertz. Uh, everything was Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz,
1: that sounds that sounds like Huff. Uh, gosh. I, I've seen too many, honestly.
0: Um, it doesn't have to just be four. You name however many yeah. you want. Who are the guys – how about this? Who are the guys that you remember, like, the first time you saw them, you were like, oh, my God, that guy is going to be in the NFL. He's going to be a first-round pick.
1: Sure. Yeah, no. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson was was pretty good at football. <laughs> um, Tyron, Tyron Smith was a guy who we actually turned down. Uh, his coach tried to get him into the Nike camp as a uh, as a sophomore, and back then we didn't take anybody unless you were at least a junior. So we said, "Sorry, man, you got to come back next year." So he came back after his junior year and was MVP of the whole entire camp, and probably the best you know offensive lineman I've ever seen. High school prospect, um, I would say DJ Williams from De La Salle ended up going to Miami. I actually picked Miami over Texas; those were his final two. Um, but DJ is probably The best high school prospect I ever saw out of California, just ridiculous talent as a running back and as a linebacker, and just you know driven and tough and everything you'd want in a player. First time I saw Reggie Bush, uh, I think he took a a sweep. When it it was the deal where every carry back then with Reggie was like a punt return. I mean, he would get a sweep and go right, left, right, left. He'd go like a windshield wiper, make eight guys miss, and then you know ran for sixty. So. Uh, you know, he was ridiculous. And we saw, obviously, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks just over the years doing Elite 11, you know, probably just kind of keeping it, uh, you know, West Coast-wise, I, I would say probably the best high school quarterback I saw was probably Mark Sanchez. Um, he looked like an NFL player in high school. He was that good. Uh, Deshaun Foster, maybe the best running back I ever saw. Another guy, he, Texas wasn't a runner-up. It was Texas, and it was UCLA. He ended up staying close to home and playing for UCLA. but um so those are a couple couple guys that just kind of jumped to mind um you know i remember the first time i saw receiver charles rogers um you know he was really really special um i would put trevor lawrence in, in that category in terms of high school quarterbacks if we're you know going more more from a national standpoint um like i said man, names are just kind of flooding flooding into my head right now as i as i look back at, at different uh different players but yeah i mean I don't want to cheat and act like I saw everybody at the high school level, but those are something that I actually got to see live and in person at an event or at a camp. And, you know, at one camp, we did a Nike camp at at university of Georgia and uh, we, you know, Julio Jones was there as a rising, as a rising sophomore, just finished up his, um, his freshman year. And I can't, describe how good he was. Again, that was with three years of of high school ball to go. So Julio Jones and and AJ Green were at that same camp, both the same year. And those two guys were just special, special, special. Um, So yeah, I mean, just I could go on and on and on. But yeah, those are just a few guys that jump out for me.
0: Well, Greg, this has gone on for a while. I feel like we could sit here and talk ball and catch up all night. So I got to let you go because you got a family of four four kids to <laughs> to go entertain and and probably feed or something. And I promised my wife I'd take her for ice cream. So, oh, uh, nice. uh, yeah, you know, you, gotta, you know, got to keep the the home fires burning, as they say. Okay. So. I got you um all right well greg man we appreciate it would love to have you back on at, at another time i i don't know why i waited so long to ask you i guess i thought you were so busy but like you said you just uh needed about two minutes notice and you were you were on so <laughs> i really appreciate it man thanks for uh, thanks for coming always. on the show yeah oh man
1: thanks for having me it was, it's always fun talking to you and catching up
0: thank you for listening to another episode of the state of recruiting's open mic as a reminder you can find the show on any major po- podcast platform Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. We would also like to ask that you go to any of those podcast platforms and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.